put up our disclaimer banner real quick. I will do that. Here we are live. live. If anybody by even listening to any of this is accepting the contract that we aren't saying anything, it's important. So you've got to do your own research and figure it out yourself. We're one of many sources you have. <laughs> there you go. Sounds good, Joe. <laughs> I just see all these people being so overly protective about stuff everywhere. Well, what they say, and I'm kind of like, yeah, give an opinion. You know, I mean, that's what we're doing. Exactly. Opinions. It's just our so opinions. To me. Yeah, you know how many people give me opinions every day? Yep. Are you on you VPN? Know? Yeah, sorry. 20 people. So, and not all of them are smart. Well, wives. Um, <laughs> Ex-wives. Yeah. Good God. Uh, does it ever end, I guess? Is, uh, I am so thankful I didn't have children with my first wife. Yeah, I didn't, luckily. Uh, I'm going to disconnect from the VPN, so I don't want to. I want to keep this thread going for a second. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Joe wants to talk bad about his ex-wife. All right, here we go. Yeah. yeah, no, no, that made that one a lot easier. The ones with kids, they're a little harder, but it's just hard because you have to still deal with everything. Like yeah. when you were when you were married, yeah. You still, you can't still just tell them to go pound sand. It doesn't fly. No. Um, if you want to have any type of decent childhood for your kids, yep. So you know you still got to eat it all the time, just like when you were married. <laughs> the only difference is that you can actually hang up the phone and not have to worry about what's going to happen when you get home. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or if there's going to be a pan of boiling grease poured in your ear. <laughs> so happy Monday. You know, it's funny. Um, uh, I We uh, woke up this morning to uh, what looked like a pretty sizable dump on its way, and then um, we seem to be rebounding, sir. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's like, well, we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, months, whatever, that, um, you know, this is just going to be volatile for a while yep. until other market issues straighten out. Um, you know, in my mind, it's, it's really a lot about, um, you know, when you start taking stimulus out of economies, you know, you start, um, you know, the cash flow gets smaller. Yeah, there's less money. So yep. people have to make decisions again and, yep. you know, decide what to do. So I think when that has to yeah. eat home, no home. Yeah. Stock buyback for a trillion dollars. No stock buyback for a trillion dollars. You know, we're all facing these tough choices. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, you know, I rent down here and my my fucking landlord went for 40 percent increase Yeesh. after 11 years wow yeah and an, a very sizable amount of money paid to him over those 11 years like buy this house and another half of one sizable money um so um uh anyway we're negotiating so yeah so you know it's all life's a squabble Yep. You know, that was the one thing I didn't realize when I was a kid that you're going to be squabbling over everything continuously. And in the moment you get to like, just kind of chill out and crack a beer or whatever, or taste the salt on a rim of a margarita glass and just sit down for a second and catch your breath. That's when the next fucking shoe drops. 
Damn, you fucking killing me today. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Joe on it, fire. Yeah, and then you gotta like just eat that one. <laughs> and then get to go to the next one. I mean, it's it's Mr. unfortunately no, but I am very positive. I, I know you are. I'm that, just busting you. You know, I think you got to be super positive, but just recognize that all the little shit's going to happen continuously, no matter what you do. That's right. And the, the moment you hit the home run, score the winning touchdown, or whatever, two seconds later, there's you know somebody sticking a knife in you. Look, back. everything is temporary, right? And look, um, um, emotions, happiness, sadness, all of that, temporary. They're just thoughts. They're just states of mind. Ultimately, shit's going to happen, and it's how you handle what comes at you that makes your life good or bad yeah. right and and wow we're going deep here um and you know um it's been my uh, philosophy for a long time uh, you know i'm the guy that doesn't react to a lot of shit. i mean i get pissed off i get upset i get sad whatever but um and i will and i fully credit um meditation for that but um uh drives my family crazy because i don't respond to <laughs> i don't get freaked out you know i don't i just yeah. go, okay i'm they facing just... this let's let's either solve it or accept it right I, I, those are the those are two options when the shit hits the fan solve it <laughs> or accept it and if and and anything else is just suffering right like like any other way of approaching a problem that comes your way is suffering because that's what you're choosing you're choosing this fucking wallow in it and be upset or solve it or accept it so well eventually you're going to be in like grappling mode somewhere along the way of a problem yeah and it's either if you see it coming at you like you know 50 yards down the road you can maneuver and maybe avoid it um you know situations and problems but you know a lot of times you just have to maneuver around the problems and and figure out when to attack the problem yep and i think that's the thing that people um you know, when you accept that, that it's always going to be that it's like, I don't know if you did any wrestling when you were a kid. Yeah, I, mean, I uh, actually was a wrestler. Yeah. Okay. And I was never quite that any good. At it. I'd get too tired. And, um, but, <laughs> but I would, uh, but other sports I was good at, you know, I just, the whole, you know, wrestling is hard. I mean, you're using every muscle in your body and you're using a lot of leverage and things like that. So, I guess to me, I think that it's that where you're kind of getting in that position where you're starting. And, you know, a lot of times someone's in that position on the floor and the other person's kind of in that position where they have like one arm over their shoulder and you're getting ready to try to, you got to try to grab that one arm and pull them in that first move to put them at a disadvantage. It's all that maneuvering is what yep. I'm getting at. Well, life is just like that. Yeah. Um, and every problem is just like that. And you're kind of always grappling for like some kind of an advantage to keep going. And if you can accept that, then, you know, then everything's easy yeah. because you, it, I mean, you do get hit with the big shit occasionally, of yeah. course, you know, the big stuff. Um, and everybody gets hit with that. And it's just a matter of surviving mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the little stuff, you know, that's just, if you're going to be in business and investing and doing things like that or art or creating or anything, you know, you're going to deal with setbacks continuously. Yep. I mean, everybody's going to tell you, you suck. You can't do it. Or, you know, you F up and fail. They're going to be like, told you, you suck. And then, you know, most people will then go slink back to their room and hide and cry and whine and whatever. But, you know, instead you got to just take that shot, compose yourself and come back out for round two. 
That's right. You know, or but make sure you can. You know, if you go into a one on ten bar fight drunk with everybody else has guns and you don't have anything, you're probably going to lose that one. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, that's why you got to be smart when you trade. Yeah. And you know, have some stack left, do different things. So when I kind of like look at all of this, um, you know, the way all of this is going on now, I, I just don't know which way it's all. I mean, again, I don't think it goes to zero. I don't know when it takes off, but to me, all these markets, it's it's kind of like there's a bunch of sloshiness going on and everybody's trying to see where it's, you know, where to go next. But, you know, one thing I was thinking about today and the crypto folks is that, you know, we talk about stable coins a lot, you know, particularly U.S. regulatory stuff. Well, I keep, you know, forgetting nowadays, you know, because I'm always in that framework of leaving everything in BTC or ETH. Um, yeah. I keep forgetting it. That's really everybody's dry powder. Of too. course. Yeah. And so, you know, when that when the people that have that dry powder, you know, when they get comfortable at these prices of BTC or ETH get to the level they want to see it at, you know, they're going to come pouring in uh, at various levels. And, and I, I look at ETH and I see ETH at 3000 right now, 3060. I mean, we've seen it, what, at 4800, I think. Did it ever get to five? Mm, no, I don't think what so. Was right? time high? Hold on. No. Well, did it ever get there? I can't. I'm gonna pull it up over here too. Let me look at the. We've got forty-eight sixty-eight is what I see on Binance. Okay, so I guess my point is, if you go back to like March on ETH, you're looking at like two thousand still. You know, I seem to remember watching ETH go to like eighteen hundred, sixteen hundred. Yeah, you know, back in the March time frame, and really worrying about that a little bit, and then it did its big run, and then its big dump. Because yep. um, Bitcoin kind of went first and ETH came behind that. And now, you know, we're all trying to figure out where everything's going. Um, you know, I just don't, if, if you're in for the long haul, I don't see anything really here that you do other than maybe wait to see if it dips harder and buy more. DCA, um, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. it. Like, it, it's, it's, if you're in, you're in, right? If you're dumping now, you're just burning money. You're just burning money. I, and I get it. People make the mistake of, of you know, um, not listening to the rules about don't invest more than you can afford to lose and all that good stuff, right? People do it. They get excited and they jump in and then the rent's counting on, uh, you know, what your value is in crypto. And that's a problem because when these things happen, you got to wait. And I don't think yeah. your landlord's going to wait for the Ethereum price to jump back up, right? Yeah, so, he's going to want 40% more. <laughs> exactly. Right and when that, you're hitting And it, that's yeah. when that shit happens. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, look, two directions coming at you, man. It's like yeah. money coming in, go down. Money going out, go up. Not so good. all in is not smart. And, um, um, you know, not ha having more than what you can afford to lose is not, sm lose is not smart. Not yeah. taking profit, not smart. Now, we all make these mistakes. We all get excited. We all get caught up in the euphoria of a bull run um, and probably do more than we should. But the bottom line is now, if you look at the data and historically, Ethereum and Bitcoin for 10 years have been the best performing assets of the entire world. So if you look at the data, there are always dumps and then there's always a higher high. So 
you know, you make your own decisions, but my own personal decision, my own opinion for myself is I'm riding it. And in the, and in the projects I'm in that I really believe in that print tokens for me, like time and uh, memo and, and ohm, I'm printing more tokens and I'm waiting. Um, and so, um, and the cool thing is when something's printing tokens for you and then the market turns around, that's an exponential increase, right? So, uh, for me, I'm, uh, that's, that's, that's my approach right now. Chilling out, watching what happens. It's kind of interesting to watch, uh, trying to do more with what we're doing with the club. Cause this is a good time buy-in time. So speaking of that real quick, yeah. Uh, we are at the last, Joe is doing one last review of our investment club agreement, uh, today, and then we will, uh, get that posted up for everybody to sign electronically with your wallet. And then we will start voting on the projects and then we will remit, uh, all of us will remit our investments into the fund wallet or the, not, sorry, not fund into the investment club wallet. And you will receive tokens, the we're forked tokens to represent your stake in the investment club. And um, we'll all be off to the races, Joe. Yeah, no, I'm excited about that. I mean, it's it's always tough at the tail end of these like corrections in anything. Yeah. And there has been a, you know, kind of a bit of a washout in a lot of the own forks and things like that, just in the sense that, look, if you got in at a dollar or something and it goes to 80, after the last couple of weeks, I mean, you wouldn't yep. be selling that. I would. Yeah. Um, so I see a lot of people selling and repositioning, waiting for the corrections. And once everybody gets the feeling that it's go time, then you're going to see all you know the capital coming back in. Yep. Not just these coins, but other things too. And so you know, to me, the rebase place is an ideal place to go right now, or at least in the next couple of weeks, thinking out over six to twelve months. Because I think as an app, part of an overall portfolio, that that's a nice diversification play that could be, you know, your biggest gainers of the year. Yeah. So to me, I like that it has indexed kind of attributes too, because we're going across like, you know, 20 or 30 of them. Yeah. Having different strategies of what you do with that and where it goes and anything new, everybody's got to vote on. So I think that's a really cool, you know, fire and forget capability about it. You don't have to keep looking yep. at it. Um, and I think everybody's pleasantly surprised. I mean, I, I kind of went back and look at the, you know, Fortress and Unis Dow and even Life Dow, um, you know, once or twice a week now. I'm not looking every day. Right. Uh, just because I'm always surprised at how many there are there. Yeah. And so when I come back and I see that this has been clipping along at multiple tokens a day and I'm like, holy shit, you know, you're you're doubling this almost. I mean, you're not really doubling it every week, but you, you feel like you're getting close to doubling the numbers of tokens every month. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're at those, those higher numbers. So it's a pleasant feeling, but you know, I'm not looking to DCA onto that anymore because the rebasing is doing that for me. Yep. So now we're looking for the next opportunities. And so I'm kind of spending some other time just so you know, looking at again, these, the top 20 DeFi tokens that I like the best and you know, where they are off their all time highs start thinking about those two and how those tie into our rebase strategies. So um, that's something I think we need to also. Um, and I think one of, the, in. one of the things I want to probably uh, look, I mean, the theme of this thing was supposed to be um, rebase tokens and own forks. That's why we call it. We're forked. But um, I've been assessing, you know, we've been talking about things that are undervalued like phantom and like, 
um, uh, uh, Frax, which is not so undervalued anymore, FXX, FXS, but projects that have good fundamentals, good return on investment, um, we think have room to grow, will come out of this thing uh, happy. Um, and even ETH and BTC, WBTC, um, I'm, I'm thinking we may want to offer it up for a vote to the community and say, hey, do you want, um, you know, do you want to add to the mix some other tokens? So, um, and, you know, we'll see what people say. That said, you know, uh, I've bid a little more uh, on uh, memo, uh, WMemo, and um, I bought some redacted, would have liked to have bought it today instead of last week, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where Butterfly goes because uh, I, I think that one's got big potential on the curve curve play. So um, let's see, Joe. You sent me a link to Terra to deploy 139 million in DeFi projects to enhance UST use cases. Yeah. Now, if you um, – where are – okay, I sent you a couple of links. But that one I was thinking what, what – what got me going was when we remember that Terra and what is it? One of the other ones that they're they're built on the uh, uh, Cosmos tool software development toolkit, and so you know, and Terra being you know having UST as a stable, and that they're you know, and it's a blockchain based around the stable, right? I yes. mean, that's the whole idea, right? Yeah. So it's a, you know I've been looking at I was in Terra when it was like. 67 cents or 68 cents back in like february i think i sold it like you know huge home run at like four or five dollars nice. of course i think it's at like 35 or 70 or something now but but the point is it's in, i put it in the solana category it's the one i keep trying to get to right. so um you know i like that as an i as you know anytime people are putting up development pools or developer pools. I like that. Yeah. Um, so I thought I'd throw that one in there. I was curious about your thoughts. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think this has a lot of potential. I love seeing these investments like this. It looks like they're going into uh, Tokamak, Rari, Olympus Dow, and Invictus Dow with these funds. I think that's a good move. Those are all solid projects, right? Yeah. No, and it, look, these guys originally were all about uh, stable coin pools, you know, a year ago. Right. Whenever I first started, I honestly I lost track of them after a while, but but now I saw that there's a lot of um, uh, that stable coin. There's some attributes to it that are different from the other ones that doesn't have the regulators as freaked out. And I'm not sure if it's because it's pegging off of like multiple stable coin pairs to get to its value if it's being algorithmically driven that way. Right. Or if there's something else, but there's something there that the market has really liked about this. Sure. Uh, from from when I first started looking at it a year ago, and it had been around a while before that too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it's one, you know. Look, we talk about wanting more exposure and um, Terra and Solana. You know, uh, this is a reason to keep looking at Terra. Right. And, and then UST as a token. What I heard from the regulators is that they're not as squeamish about this one as they are about say, USDT. Interesting. And it might be because of the physical backing. I don't know. There might be something more uh, tangible to it than than the USD DT explanation. So that's one I think we should start. You know, let's let's start expanding a little more into Terra, and you know, start obviously Solana might already have spent its load for a, or excuse me, already have gotten a lot of interest for the last year or so. Um, 
money might rotate from there to somewhere else. Like you kind of saw a little of that with AVAX, maybe Phantoms where it goes, maybe Arbitrum, but I think their network was down. I saw somewhere today. So uh, Arbitrum yesterday had an outage uh, yeah. with uh, one of their components of the system. And so they had about 284 blocks that didn't get written, but um, you know, they recovered from it. Uh, there was <laughs> fucking, uh, what's this Maxi's name? Uh, shit, I can't remember his name. Anyway, there's a maximalist, uh, a Bitcoin maximalist who po posted, uh, who tweeted that, uh, uh, are, you know, basically making a joke about it not being decentralized. So I replied to him with the two massive uh, Bitcoin bugs that happened in the first three years of Bitcoin's existence. Uh, that caused a uh, one billion inflation in Bitcoin, and they had to roll back the the uh, the chain. And then the other one where there was a problem with the wallet and a bug, and they had to roll back. And it's just like you know, look, I'm okay with you criticizing whatever you want to criticize, but just don't be a dumb shit about it. Like, yeah, nothing starts decentralized. And well, and your your dream that somehow fucking Bitcoin didn't start off or still doesn't have problems is just stupid. So. We'll see when I think when people talk like that, you know, that guy, these maxis, no matter whatever side of the fence you're on, that's what makes us start looking more, you know, Mary Kay ish or Herbalife or yeah. more cultish or yeah. multi level marketing. And yeah. I think that's not the where you want to take this. I think yeah. if I'm a promoter and I'm promote, I'm a Bitcoin true believer, you know, I'm a believer. I'm not really a true believer in anything, though, to be honest. But but with Bitcoin in particular, I, I kind of get it. I get the arguments and why they think they're special and this and that. But at the same time, you know, you want the rest of the space to blow up too. Because then if you could turn the altcoin space into a $5 trillion space, then the BTC space, you know, should be in the 5 to $7 trillion range at that point. Yeah, those guys, those guys just fucking, they think anything besides Bitcoin is a shit coin and they're not going to, they're not going to ever see any re reason or value. So uh so Eamon said ust is based off the price of luna kinda sorta it's like a higher risk frax kinda okay yeah yeah so it's um uh it's the psychological play on supply and demand of the coin so and then he said and convex uh real quick uh andre Kranye is giving out more details on this uh v33 that they're doing um and he, in a blog in a blog post he put on Medium about two hours ago, and I'm just going to read the bullets real quick. Um, so they're launching this new protocol. I don't think they've decided yet when, but we'll see if it's here in the post. Na it's a new AMM. It natively supports swaps between closely correlated assets via a new curve or stable swaps. It says mm -hmm. natively su su supports swaps between uncorrelated assets. We'll have a 0.01 percent fee. Fees are paid out in base assets, not converted. Uh, Uniswap version two compatible interface allows support for all existing analytics tools and interfaces. So they're going to basically allow you to connect anything else you're using to it. Uh, permissionlessly can create pools, permissionless support for gauges and bribes, which that's cool. Uh, a la the, you know, the whole curve war stuff. Mm -hmm. Emission incentivizes fees instead of liquidity. Um, so the emissions of the token will incentivize fees instead of liquidity. I don't know. Um, native support for adding third-party tokens and incentives. 
V33 lockers accumulate all fees for pools they vote emission on. The lockers increase holdings proportional to emission, no dilution. Lockers vote on emission with circulating supply decay. He's got another article on that. Uh, natively supports delegation. Locks are represented as non-fungible tokens to allow capital efficiency of locks. No DAO. So there, this is just going to be an algorithmic play, I guess. So anyway, um, building for protocols. Currently, AMMs are primarily for LPs. This is natural because when most AMMs launched, token incentives did not exist. Today, AMMs are primarily for projects, either through token incentives, bootstrapping liquidity, or even protocol-owned liquidity. Other protocols are the new MM users. Current AMs need a few modifications to make it easy for protocols to leverage them. Must be able to easily add token incentives. Must be able to easily bribe token emissions. Must be able to accrue fees from liquidity. Must be able to permissionlessly deploy your liquidity. All the above is doable, blah, 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 blah. The AME is quite saturated. We do not want to launch an AM to compete with existing projects. For that reason, it was designed with Protocol 2 protocol architecture in mind. Initial distribution. So they chose. They were deciding between create, uh, do an auction, uh, create an FTM slash token pool and burn the LP tokens, decide the first pool and votes, not very decentralized, airdrop, but if an airdrop successful needs to go to the correct participants, as we can see from CRV and CRX distribution, those participants are predominantly protocols. We ended up deciding on an ecosystem distribution before launch. We will take a TP, TVL shot off of Dilemma, I mean De DeFi Llama. So it almost sounds like he's going to do an airdrop to protocols who are buying up CRV and CVX, but it's hard to tell. Yeah. It almost sounded too like he didn't like the fact that the airdrop was going to protocols. But That's he's doing it. Locked V3 tokens will be given to each project in the top 20 on DeFi Llama. It is then up to each project to create pool their pools and vote for their initial distribution or have their communities vote for their distribution. It is up to them to decide what they will incentivize, be it their own token, stablecoin, or other liquidity. The timeline for this will thus be two weeks post-protocol launch until distribution starts. Oh, he's got more here. Wow. Okay, so he's posting a lot. Something on his fee distribution plan. All right, so we'll read through this, and maybe we could talk about it some more tomorrow if we get through it. Um, but interesting. I, yeah, I, I got to tell like you, that. I think anything that he, uh, you know, this is the thing with him and Danielle from uh, Abracadabra and I think a couple of other players involved, but. With the know. sushi angle, right? The sushi and multi-chain Yeah, and somehow all that. sushi will get tied into it, I think. but And multi-chain. Yep. But, I, but if they're launching an AMM, you know, maybe it's a little bit of competitive with sushi or maybe it's launching with sushi. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, anyway, speaking of airdrops, uh, oh, I'm not sharing, am I? So I'm just no. like not sharing, just reading through my screen. And let's yeah, see I was this. going, that's how unbrad that is. So unbrad, so unbrad. Why isn't it letting me choose what to share? That's probably why you weren't sharing screen. Is that Mac? There we go. Shut what the fuck up. Going on just over shut there. up, just shut up. Steve got Jobs is going to fucking haunt your ass. Uh, here we go. So I found this screenshot. I'm gonna, I mean, uh, this uh, spreadsheet, and it's actually really good. Um, hold on, it's this massive airdrop rumors spreadsheet, and has what you got to do, and how you get them, and what the project is, and everything else. So I'll share the link to this on Twitter, but uh, and in the Discord. But um, 
it's an awesome list and i think they're updating it pretty regularly so um but there's a big list of potential airdrops and they said they make it clear these are rumors they're not uh they're not definitive but um still looks uh still looks like there's some opportunities for free money while you're sitting around waiting for ETH and BTC to come back up. Yeah. No, I mean, I got to look more at those too because there's a lot of the big airdrops that were, have been coming for a while. Like yeah. the Meta, big MetaMask one, supposedly, and then there's a big OpenSea Polygon one coming, I heard. Yeah. So, and then I think, I don't know if Paraswap did theirs yet or there's an Arbitrum one because there's like a whole bunch of stuff that's been talking about. And I just got to get back on top of that. We also need to kind of jump back on. These markets are also good for yield farming. And while I'm not really in anything right now, yield farming that I can think of off the top of my head, um, it's something to look at. You know, the pairing with a stable on a token that you're already holding in a wallet and just get the distribution and dump it. Yeah, it's funny. Um, yesterday morning I was doing a uh, – this is interesting because uh, yesterday morning I was uh, doing a uh, – Eamon said, holy smokes, this is dope. I don't know if he's talking about, uh, I don't know if he posted. He's talking about the sushi stuff that you were, when you were About reading. the Andre Grenier thing. Yeah, it looks dope, doesn't it, man? Um, so I was walking through one of my business partners who has not tried DeFi yet through basic DeFi concepts yesterday morning. And um, um, that's my business partners in material indicators. We'd have tools for centralized trading. Um, anyway, um, he... He said to me, so I walked him through the initial concepts of swaps, how AMMs work, and then I walked him through yield farming, right? I Liquidity pools, I showed him yield farming, I showed him what happens, how it functions, I explained him permanent loss, uh, and then I took him to Olympus Dow, and he's like, what the fuck? Of course, that's everybody's reaction when they see the APY, right? He's like, what the fuck? What, the, what, what is that shit? What, what, why, what, what is that? So then I explained to him how Olympus Dow works and how it's a reserve currency and how the how the APY changes and how the community voted to, to reduce the APY and how you know the functionality of it, everything else. He goes, Well, with impermanent loss, why would fucking anybody go do that when this is here? <laughs> and I said, Well, it's a good question, and it's a it's why it was created, right? The reason the, re the, the the Olympus Dow was created was because liquidity pools suck and he wanted to create a reserve currency. Um and it's a hard thing to say, but you're right. When you pair these up with stables, there's a lot of in and out you can do to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And you can um, earn. And I talked to him. I talked to him about timing. I talked to him about, you know, it's a much more hands-on process yield farming, right? But I, I guess the point is, is that um, there's, um, there's opportunities in all kinds of formats. And there will be more of these coming and more models coming out. So, um, you know. Uh, I do think that there's some opportunities for yield farming in this down yeah. market, at least picking, especially if we sit sideways for a while, right? If we play this sideways game for a while and everything kind of maintains its price, then, you know, printing new tokens is great. Of course, then you're playing that role of dumping because you want to get your profits out before the everybody else does. But um, I think there's some opportunities. So, yeah. And it's better than just sitting there, you know, doing nothing and also yeah. stable coin pairs. Yeah, you know, straight up stables and go get, you know, 12, 15% pretty easily right now. Yeah. Um, and you don't, you know, you don't have issues with the value change. Right. right. I mean, right. I, if I remember, like you said, when the Ohm stuff came out, the big discussion going on then was about impermanent loss protection. And everybody was talking about, there was a bunch of new ones popping up talking about impermanent loss protection. Everybody's talking about impermanent loss. And um, 
and I don't know if that's how that's worked or not. Um, it's just one aspect of it, but everybody's trying to like fix those things in the yield farming and you don't have those with stable coins. Yep. So, you know, go get, well, I mean, you can have, if, if the opposed, if it's just, if you're single token stable, or if you're just staking or yield farming stable to stable, absolutely. Unless something yeah. loses its peg. Now, obviously if you're, if you're yielding off of stables and, token x then yeah that's that could be an issue that's different yeah yeah yeah, yeah i so mean absolutely but if stable if my feeling is like if you pair usdc against usdt and if something goes wrong in those stable pool pairs i.e something de decouples you're fucked every which way but loose at that point yeah everywhere else so yep. it doesn't really even matter um you just kind of it's a good way to go get you know 12 percent, 15 percent um but still, I think that there's something there, you know, with the uh, yield farming beyond stable coins too. Um, yep. If you're holding a stock, then, you know, single stable parrots and put it somewhere and get, you know, weren't we getting like 150% at one point a couple months ago on? Yep. Or maybe it was 60%. I don't know. But single token know. pairing, it was decent numbers. So, um, again, strategies for when it's going sideways until, you know, one day it becomes up only again. Yep. Um, so a few other macro things that caught my eye this morning, um, you know, doom and gloom macro, let's say, but not necessarily, you know, more Chinese developer, real estate development stuff. You know, another one like Shamal's now selling every piece of property they have. And but the cool part I took out of this couple of articles I read this morning is that, you know, now they're making it easier for the SOEs to buy the property developers. SOE right. is a state, state owned enterprise. And you know, these have been lingering over there since the 90s, you know, bloated with capital that, you know, was was basically loaned out to companies, you know, when it was full blown communist. And, um, and, you know, those loans were, of course, not underwritten to any degree of semblance of any type of banking standard. It was kind of like a slush pool, you know, dumping job for everybody in the government. Sounds familiar. So they're all just riddled with that. And they won't bankrupt them because it's just going to cascade through the economy. Of course. So, you know, what you do is then you, you know, fund one and then, um, you know, basically let it buy up all the losses. Kind of similar yep. to what happened, I think, here with the 2008 banking crisis. Exactly. You know, a lot of that shit just, I mean, it's just disappeared. So they got these SOEs now in play there, which means they'll buy up all the debt and they won't let it tank. So it'll be, you know, sitting somewhere on these, you know, uh, vulture funds, just waiting uh, for when the markets rebound. But so to me, that's a good thing. It'll yep. allow these companies to mark to market. Um, I think the Western and the offshore investors in these projects have all gotten plenty of notice, you know, that this, it's time to start renegotiating. So at this point, I think they've probably all constructed all their counter positions and other sectors and stuff to offset like. You know, if real estate goes under in China, what goes up? Right. So they're, they're already over there. So to me, I think that's good news. I saw that like Goldman's expecting four rate increases next year. I saw somebody else talking about um, beginning to talk about the quantitative tightening, you know, which is undoing the Fed's balance sheet. Like whenever you hear talk about balance sheet, they're talking about that. Right. Um, talking about July. So you start to see a little more talk about that, which, um, you know, will allow the markets to kind of absorb things sequentially. So, well, you know, I'm 
I do say how everything's all frothy and, you know, f- that there's got to be some like trimming uh, here to come. You know, maybe, maybe it is manageable. Yeah. Maybe with the U.S. dollar being the, you know, there's no other currency that the Chinese currency, no, forget about it. It can't hold up. The only one that can really hold everything together right now still is a dollar. And, you know, if we're talking mainly about dollar economy issues too. Right. Um, here so i don't really i think it's all good news but that doesn't mean that the stock market couldn't couldn't go off 20 percent one week just like that for, for right. no reason um, right just because people go well fuck it i'm taking my money um the, but then it'll come back so i think you so, know we're in as good a place as we could be i mean obviously so, I'd like to see no debt and shit but yeah so nasdaq stack uh so there's a record number of nasdaq NASDAQ yeah. stocks down 50% or more. 40% of the index's firms have fallen by half from one-year highs. Uh, investors are selling first, figuring out rest later. You know, there's going to be some some sales if you're playing stocks. Um, well, yeah, and you've been running for now 12 years. So, um, you know, post-Great uh, Recession. So it's yeah. 11 or 12 years. I mean, with some the pandemic setback, but look, that really... I think anybody that was in stocks in March 2020 is in stocks more. Yeah. You know, now yep. um, they still made a ton of money. So, um, uh, quick note for everybody I put that airdrop, I, I made a bit.ly for the airdrop. So it's uh, bit.ly forward slash MD airdrop. M is in mission, D is in DeFi airdrop. Uh, if you guys want to take a look at that spreadsheet, that's just a redirect link to the spreadsheet, bit.ly forward slash MD airdrop. Uh, got it on the screen now for those of you watching. Um, but uh, I'm also going to post it to the Discord. If you have not joined the Discord yet, um, you know, please get in there. Even if you're not going to join We're Forked, you can still join our Discord and take part in all of the other dis- discussions that are happening there. If you want to get into We're Forked, really need everybody to finally sign up on the Google form, you know, no later than, let's say, Tuesday at midnight, Joe. Tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We should, we should have the other piece wrapped up today. That um, way. So that way by Wednesday, we've got everybody voting, signing, signing, voting, putting their money in, uh, getting their tokens. So um, everybody, uh, please, uh, if you're going to sign up, uh, please go ahead and do that. Um, and, you know, join our discord. I'll post it again on Twitter. Um, and if you have, uh, if you want to get it from me directly, you can DM me at, B05 crypto on Telegram and Twitter, B05 crypto Telegram and Twitter, or B05 crypto pound 2143 on Discord. B05 crypto pound 2143 on Discord. Joe, um, looks like we may break, well, we've already broken out like 127,000 committed in there. So, nice. Uh, yeah, I think we could break. We were. Close to 129,000, but there was one duplicate entry. I think somebody filled it out twice with two different amounts. So uh, anyway, excited to get that rolling finally. We've been at it too long, but you know, sometimes these things take time. Now that we have it, though, puts us in a good position to do other things. Well, yeah. So look, this could be the rebase fund that we talk about. Yep. We talk about different like almost like ETFs or index type funds or sector plays. You know, maybe another one could be, um, you know, downstream, just high end yield farming stuff. Yep. Maybe another one can be, um, you know, the ones that kind of the Dowie projects that aren't um, forks, Yep. you know, different plays there. Or it could be almost like a VC fund investing in those early, early. 
Yeah. Um, there's different ways to do this. I'm really excited to see how this one turns out though, because I see these tokens. It's so, um, you know, just it's such a good place right now. If you're doing a big diversified scatter play and right. see who comes out that, you know, I think in six to 12 months, it could look pretty attractive. Yeah, look, I think yeah. I think it has a ton of potential for a longer term gain if you're printing tokens and you're in the right projects. So uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, real quick, I I was reading a couple of other posts about fundamentals, et cetera, et cetera. So I posted up a tweet, wanted to start getting people's responses to it. Oh, this will open. Uh, somebody has replied. Oh, good old friend, hot sauce. Uh, so I just posted a tweet up and I said, fundamentals, what have you got? So I said, what projects paid holders, pay holders from revenue? What are the sources of that revenue? Is this a project that solves a fundamental problem? Does this project have opportunity in real life? Is the team strong enough to harness what they have? And then I asked people to post the token and the, their URL. I'm just curious, right? I wanted to kind of, I was thinking about, could we create a list of projects that actually reward holders from revenue? right? Directly, not, not token value and emissions and anything else. You know, what projects are doing that and what projects that do that have kind of a fundamentals play or have a play that can transition to traditional finance, real life, real estate, what, whatever it may be. I don't know what it is, but I'm just curious if there's projects out there I haven't seen about, heard about that, that have some potential from that perspective. So. Yeah, no, I think you're getting to that area where, you know, when a lot of these projects start, it's more about the financial angle of it, what right. happens. And now you're kind of getting into the area that we also talk about a lot, which is the execution risk. Yep. And and when you can start talking about revenue yep. um, for the project, because we look at like, say, um, I'll just pick one of them, Fortress um, or Unistow, you know, there isn't any revenue there. <laughs> at least not at the beginning and then they got to go build something that creates revenue but it seems to me I, I saw some data i thought it was today but you know some people that are actually tracking pe type ratios on some of these big DeFi. i don't know i, where saw, I saw it where, where i, I saw that too um maybe it was one of the links i sent in to you but yeah okay. i mean look and somebody else there was an i just had the tweet open but i don't have it right now um Somebody else made the point that, um, you know, when you look at Ethereum relative to revenue, right, fees yeah. that are coming in, they were making a pretty strong argument that it's undervalued, right? And look, I mean, I, I definitely, I just listened to the Vitalik interview on Bankless, and, mm -hmm. and that's when Bankless is worth listening to, is when, when, when it's somebody that uh, is on their side perceptually, um, then they allow the discussion to get where it needs to get instead of trying to, well, even there in that convert conversation, they tried to manipulate even Vitalik. They, they asked him how he feels about maximalism and he basically said it sucks and we don't need it. And, you know, he's talking to two guys that are ETH maximalists who are toxic about it. Right. Yeah. And, and he was talking objectively about other chains right? And how long they're going to take to get to decentralized and decentralized has to be a primary goal, et cetera. And the two of them are trying to manipulate him into saying, well, wait a minute, these, the rest of these projects are shit. They're crap. They're scams. Anyway, um, the bottom line is, um, 
when you look at he walks through it's called uh the end game the episode of bankless he also did a post about it but when you walk through the stages of what ethereum is going to do to improve efficiency move to proof of stake um reduce fees and you get a really good understanding kind of at a technical level not not hardcore tech anybody could understand what he talked about for the most part um then what you see is this could be an, end up being a high performance, very fast, very scaled um, blockchain. And the fees may never get down to the pennies that he thinks it will, but they could eventually, probably after years to get to a really low level and make it highly efficient. Um, so, I, you know, I often talk about, I think, I've made the comments and tweets before that Ethereum is just going to end up becoming a blockchain of record where other layers write to it. Um, and I still think that's a possibility for most things that happen. But, um, you know, I have a little more hope after that interview that um, uh, it may end up in an even better place than that. And then it becomes efficient to actually launch things on it that don't require people to have 100 grand in their wallet to actually use them. So... Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, it was a it was a very good article. Yeah. Uh, well, also, there's a big thing going on there, if I remember right. You know, the, the amount that's being burned there, the tokens being burned and the yep. uh, 1559, I think, implementation and what that does as far as potentially squeezing supply. Yep. Um, did you get any more out of that in that podcast? No, nah, they weren't really talking about the burn so much. I mean, what he was going through was they call them the urge stages. So it's the 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 merge the purge the surge something else and what each of the stages of the upgrade are going to mean for ethereum and for users and how it's going to function and uh how people that are currently staking with the old version are going to have to get out and move to the new version and you know how everything's going to work essentially what he said was if if ethereum stopped upgrading after the merge he'd be okay with that but it's going to be much better if all of the other pieces of the process happen, right? So, um, but he didn't get a lot into the burn, at least not, it was a long interview, so I may have blanked out a couple of times during the course of the mm -hmm. conversation, but uh, for the most part, it was here are the stages, here's what's going to happen, here's how it functions and why he thinks it's so important to the future of Ethereum. And it was a good, good interview. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because I think that's the other thing is when September, October started kicking in, there was a lot of attention around um, 1559 and the token burns on Ethereum and yep. where it was going, a big Q4. We had a lot of talk about a big Q4 yep. based upon that. And then that kind of got stalled out just because, you know, it's it's not an easy implementation process. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. So, so, you know, did he give any more, what I'm getting at, did he give any more guidelines in that as to what, uh, timing on that kind of thing. We so he didn't give specifics for when the merge starts and finishes. He did say that the next phase would start six months after that. My assumption is that they're probably six months away from at least from starting the first part, the merge, but maybe it happens sooner. Um, but I didn't, he didn't give any hard dates on when that's going to start. He did talk about the fact that there's still a list of bugs they're working through uh, on it. So it sounded like and he may just be being conservative. He doesn't want to give any dates because he's burned himself so many times in the past. Yeah. So who knows? Um, but, you know, I look, the good news is they I feel pretty confident about their process. 
right? I'd rather they be conservative. Uh, you know, a linchpin of the entire crypto economy doing this uh, haphazardly or fast is is a bad idea. So, yeah. Um, you know, one of the questions I would have asked him if I was interviewing him is, "What's the rollback?" Right? It, it, is this a thing where once you take that step, everybody's fucked if something goes wrong? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or is this something that they could theoretically just roll back? on the chain and say, okay, fuck it. We'll roll back the upgrade and wait until we get it right. Right. I would assume they could. Yeah. Um, but you know, who knows? Uh, and I'm sh look, they have thousands of people on that core team building this and they have an entire research unit. So hopefully they're gaming out everything, but still, you know, makes me nervous. So, yeah, well, they got plenty of resources. If another tech comes up that they can use to enhance that somehow, or yeah. something like go to. I mean, you see all the action, like all the buying Polygon's been doing lately. Um, you know, they're clearly making a big play for stuff um, yep. with the resources, knowing that these resources don't always last forever. Yep. And when you got them, you need to start spending them. So anyway, I I, I think that there's a good future for Ethereum, and I think it's undervalued. And I think that there's uh, with the deflationary piece that you were talking about is makes it a very attractive hold for me personally. Yeah, no, I'm waiting to watch it drop some more before I get back in. Um, I kind of tend to exit in the 4,000s every time it gets there, um, somewhere <laughs> in that range, just because I'm like, been there already once, you know. <laughs> Take that profit. Yeah, so now I just do it. But, um, you know, I think in that space, so we talk a lot about Phantom and Avalanche and Solana and Terra and all of those, those other blockchains. You know, this we don't know how this all ultimately comes together you know how it's all like yeah what all these blockchains look like you know what does the universe look like at that point of and each blockchain may be in a galaxy let's say you know how do they all work together and so i think that's what makes it exciting for me about every time ethereum kind of slows down it doesn't hit that you know expectation that people well i guess it's just been this year that people have expected then it comes roaring back so right. to me i think that um you know, get the. We don't know what deals they probably have cooked up, or they're talking to other groups about already. Right. But it seems to me when you start seeing the other ones really go like Phantom, and um, maybe Adam, and and maybe even um, uh, the Kronos stuff off of Crypto.com. I think you start seeing stuff like that actually going. Then I think that's when Ethereum's close to that. Um, yeah that stage when you're going to get the actual real burns going yep. or the real like token supply impacts. And that's when everything's going to go crazy. Now, then does Ethereum become more Bitcoiny and replace Bitcoin or is Bitcoin go away? I mean, who knows what happens there, but um, I just think there's so much exciting stuff happening here and whatever we started the show talking about, you know, uh, ETH being at roughly 3000 and, uh, I think BTC of 42 or 41, you know, a year ago, if everybody told you those are going to be the numbers, would you have taken those numbers? Hell right. yeah. Right. You know? So we're like in this thing where we're so spoiled because we're used <laughs> to the numbers just going up so fast that, you know, now we're all, everybody's nervous, but you know, I mean, every time you start feeling like this, I was feeling this way around like July 10th, you know, and then all of a sudden everything just started rocketing and then like, yep three or four weeks into that, I was talking to you and I said, man, look at these like, you know, four or five, like weekly green candle closes. I'm like, I didn't even really notice it. 
Right. And then we're, then I think it went up to like 12 of them maybe or eight yep. or nine. Yeah. That's, I started buying at the bot at the beginning of that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the stuff that keeps happening. Yep. And so, you know, I don't, again, I, I think there's always going to be problems, but think about where we were in the year 2000, you know, or right after the dot-com crash and nine 11 and all of that. I mean, it was looking pretty bleak. I think Amazon was at $8. Yep. Uh, I don't even know if there was a Google then at that point. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, maybe, but they were still giving out just email accounts. It was a search engine and some email accounts basically yeah. at that point. So, um, but all of these, you know, Facebook, um, you know, think about the YouTube was a separate company. These were all separate things. And now, you know, all of these companies have come out since 2005 that we never even thought about in 2000. That's right. Because we didn't have the smartphone that point to develop on so i see here with crypto we're kind of in a similar spot where you know it's made some inroads and traditional markets are starting to figure out how to use it and you know hustle markets are making money and this and that and now it's at the point where you know the good stuff's going to succeed and you know a lot of the stuff's going to fall away that's right um so i don't ever fret like this i start looking at where am i going to go next um in these situations and i try to wait it out yeah, um, me too. But it's not That's, fun. You know? Look, well, look, I mean, I, I'm actually, so here's the thing that give, this gives me time for, right? Right now it's like, okay, I, I've had this thesis for my fundamentals of, you know, real life transitions, infrastructure, you know, the, the kinds of things I've been looking at for the tokens, right? But I've also been aping into shit for months, right? Like we have been and we made money doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Which was great. It was fun. Now, this gives me the opportunity to go back to all of those theses and the, the models that I had for this and say, okay, what, where are we, right? Like, what, what of the, how much fundamentals do I have and how much ape do I have? And now let's take some of that ape profit and put it into some fundamentals, right? And whether that's rebase fundamentals, single token fundamentals, whatever, um, to me, this is an opportunity to really dive deeper on some of those things while still aping when appropriate right so um I, I think there's a lot of opportunity i think we're gonna have a lot of fun with we're fort i i think yeah. we're gonna have a great time well and you look at like ones like i'm just gonna i'm not picking on anybody but like say you know geyser we talk about a lot alchemix all of those but see we've been talking to those companies for a year so what's interesting yeah. is you look back and you see you kind of remember having a conversation with them and maybe in march when they said they were going to do this or they had this problem to solve and you just see like well did they solve the problem Right. You know, what happened? And right. so if you see two or three execution pivots in that year um, that are good ones, then you know these guys are guys, gals, whatever, are survivors. Yep. So, you know, we talk about execution risk. That's where you want the money to be. Yeah. Teams like that. One, not teams that, you know, even the ones that look like rug pulls and stuff, as long as they keep doing more and more rug pulls, um, you know, trying to get it right, then to me, I'm kind of like, you know, I don't look at those as being like, you know, they're stealing the money. I look at it as being they're trying to figure out how to pivot and make it work. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, but anyhow, I see you smudging your camera and stuff. So I think it might. No, be I'm better. trying to find out why it went out of focus all of a sudden. That was weird. Like, is it out of focus on your side? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck happened. There we go. Just had to touch it a little. Just, yeah. Just had to give it a little pet. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she's. No. <laughs> Little pet. Just, that's just what a little she pet. said. That's what oh she my said. God, Jeff. <laughs> Couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. 
Jody's but that's why we're un- we're unfiltered on this. You know? Exactly, unfiltered, uncensored. So no one can fun. stop us. We are the decentralized. The barricades up podcast. The, 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 the Wi-Fi VPN is on a drone flying over the neighborhood right now, so nobody can actually <laughs> pinpoint the location. <laughs> That's what I got. All right, buddy. Good I'm to see you. Of course, man. Um, uh, we'll get everybody. Hey, get in the Discord, people. B05Crypto is the DM on Telegram and Twitter, B05Crypto, or um, B05Crypto, pound 2143, pound 2143 on Discord. Please join us if you want to get in. We're going to close it all out for the foreseeable future um, tomorrow at midnight. Uh, make your commitment, get in the Google sheet, uh, message me. I'll send you the link, join the discard. We'll add you to the we're four channels in the discord and we're going to get this thing rolling. So. Hey, thanks a lot, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Love you too. Thanks for watching and listening. Everybody. Thank you for watching and listening. And, uh, you know, as Joe says, keep your powder dry. Um, you know, we'll see what happens here, but, uh, I'm excited for the future. Yeah. And we will, um, have everything ready for tomorrow and look forward to launching on that journey as well. That's going to yep. be exciting. So absolutely. Thank you, everyone. Have Take a great care. Day. See you, Joe. Cheers. See you later, Brad. Bye. Bye-bye.